before we start, here's a message from one of our friends. Honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in. Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone is geek about something. I'm your super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. As always, remember to sign up to the newsletter, pccnewsletter.com, where you can hear updates from myself and lots of other amazing independent creators. Speaking of which, we have another amazing independent creator. So why don't we let them introduce themselves? Hi, uh, my name is James Kachalka. Um, I've written dozens of graphic novels and drawn. Uh, there's 14 Johnny Boo books, three Glork Patrol books, three Glorkian Warrior books, three Dragon Puncher books, uh, Monkey vs. Robot, and a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was looking through your your list of uh, of work, and it's yeah, it's quite long. You've been a busy person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think uh, whoever used to like update the Wikipedia page, I don't think has updated it in more than a decade. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like the, the, it's like goes. I I haven't looked at it in a while, but it, um, it goes into like really good detail about my re like super early work, like little anthologies I was in and stuff like that and this is most of my graphic novels from the last 20 years yeah I've, just, I've actually got it open yeah. <laughs> last time I few. looked at it which was a long time ago but the last it's got up to Glorkian Warrior okay so that's like that's like 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> someone needs to go on there and start updating it yeah it's okay. <laughs> the world can forget about me. <laughs> I, I don't think the world will ever forget about you. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it must be, it must be great being able to say that you've created so many things that have come from your brain and have gone out there and been as successful. Uh, yeah, it is pretty great. Um, it's basically a continuation from my elementary school days. Uh, you know, I started drawing comics, I don't know, second or third grade, something like that. Started writing songs by around sixth grade. So still, still drawing comics, still writing songs. Nothing's really changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true that nothing's really changed. The content of the comics is pretty different and the skill level is quite a bit mm. different. And, um, and, you know, I don't live with my parents anymore. Now I am a parent. <laughs> um, yeah, in the beginning, I was just drawing the comics um, really just for, like, one other friend. 
Um, I had this one really good friend and he would draw comics and I would draw comics and would read each other's comics. And, um, but pretty soon did that, did it like that for a couple of years and then pretty soon discovered the photocopy machine and started like photocopying comics and selling them at school and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, we were stealing the photocopies right from the beginning. Uh, my friend's dad had a home office. So he had a photocopy machine right in his office and we were just in there like all day. (laughs) (laughs) Photocopying nonstop. Oh, wow. Entrepreneurial from the start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So the brand new book is Hmm. Glork Patrol and the Magic Robot. Where to even begin? Um, So there's there's three Glork Patrol books, but before that there were three Glorkian Warrior books. Hmm. Um, and, and they're all based on a video game idea that I had. And we really did make the video game also called Glorkian Warrior Trials of Glork, um, which was, uh, actually pretty successful. We sold several tens of thousands of copies of that game. Um, uh, but I was working on the, I started work on the game first. All but right. pretty soon after I started work on the game, like maybe the same month, I started work on the first Glorkian Warrior graphic novel. And I started writing Glorkian Warrior songs. So there's also an album. <laughs> there's also an album called uh, Good Morning Glorkian Warrior. Um, um, if you see the Glorkian Warrior books, you probably should rush out and buy them right away because they're all on the verge of going out of print. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, which is one of the reasons why I started Glork Patrol uh, with a new publisher. Um, the Glorkian Warrior books were with First Second, and Glork Patrol is with uh, Top Shelf. Top Shelf has been my, um, they've been my publisher since 94 or 5 or something oh, like wow. that. You know, like, as long as they've existed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was in the very first thing they published, and I've been with them ever since. Anyhow, so they're... There's a lot of Glork stuff out there. So you might be wondering, can I pick up Glork Patrol and the Magic Robot without knowing without knowing the previous five graphic novels from two different series and the game and the album? No, you don't need to know any of that stuff. It's it's written so you can just pop in fresh. Yeah. Yeah, which is what I did. And I had absolutely no problems. I enjoyed every single second of it. It's um, awesome. It's a great... <laughs> Obviously, I'm not the target audience, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I mean, we sell them to kids, right? Like, that's what it's marketed for, like a kid's yeah. book. But I draw it for myself. I'm a 55-year-old man. It's meant to be funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And yeah. uh, other adults should not be scared to give it a try if it sounds cool to them. Um um, so the, the basic characters are there's Glorkian Warrior. He's a three-eyed alien. Um, his his job is to patrol space, like a space ranger. He's not particularly good at it. Um, so there's this... Uh, uh, the, the leader of the Glorkian civilization is the Glorkian super grandma. And uh, she kind of like... She's trying to, you know, nudge... Uh, uh, the Glorkian warrior along and you know like give him encouragement and stuff but he is 
he's a he's a total incompetent he's basically based on me <laughs> he's like the he's like the dad in the book <laughs> and so the the book starts with uh, oh and he's got he's got um uh uh two kids uh that he's adopted gonk um who's who basically looks like his head without a body it's just mm. like a, a three-eyed alien's head with little feet and then no body um the way it works is when they grow up they grow a body but they okay. when they're when they're kids they have no body i didn't i don't really i don't explain it in this book it's explained in a different book it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> um and then he also adopted quackaboodle um baby quackaboodle uh and and baby quackaboodle is a baby uh space god um basically it will grow up to be the most horrific monster uh in the entire universe but right now it's a baby um and mm. it still um wreaks havoc um but it's a you know a full member of the family um and uh it can't really talk it talks a little you know like really limited um really limited baby talk yeah. um and gonk talks slightly more sophisticated baby talk <laughs> <laughs> i find the kids really res respond to the baby talk um they think it's hilarious um they uh they do like to imitate it i have um some people have asked me if parents worry that their kids might imitate the baby talk i've never met any parent for whom that was a problem I, some okay. have said that their kids do imitate the baby talk but they didn't mind um i actually think it's really good because it gets the kid thinking about language and the way mm. there's different ways to structure language and once you start thinking of language as a game that you can play with and you can swap out parts then you're really being you're really starting to master it right like yeah. the more you play with language the more of a master of language you are going to be. So um, I don't think there's any concern with that. It means they're getting smarter. That's kind of an illustrative of the book because there are so many different layers in it that you cover so many different things, but it's all kind of done in a, an easy way that people can consume and that kids consume, but it's not, it's not just a kid's book. You know, you've got things in there that they can then learn from and can, you know absorb and it actually means something it's not just there it is a yeah. fun story but it's not just a fun story no it's a fun story that means something now mm. i don't um i don't uh i have no particular interest in trying to teach right like my goal is not to like educate kids or to like teach them you know an important life lesson but there mm. are life lessons to learn i'm just i just write about life right like in an absurd and entertaining way um when you write about life and, and in an honest way when you write about life yeah. in an honest way you know um by by creating it you learn and grow and then by reading it you learn and grow but the mm. that's just because your your brain is being activated right it's not like here's the lesson like the lesson's not maybe not that clear what you know the lesson of the story is or if there is one you can probably imagine one or find one but I'm really just trying to entertain while at the same time dealing with um, 
you know, the real kind of issues that people really deal with. In this case, you know, family stuff. And this, like, so the book starts, um, uh, the dad, Glork, uh, he's ordered a package, right? Like a package arrives, the kids run down, they open the package, they're so excited. And he's like, well, it's not for you, it's for me. And mm. it's a tiny little robot version of himself. Um, and they want to play with it, of course. He's like, it's not a toy. You know, it's a important, uh, delicate scientific instrument. <laughs> um which is kind of like you know like the dad that has the special collectors thing you know like yeah. the kid's not supposed to play with so it's kind of like that um but this they it's they not do. a toy they take it's it. a collectible <laughs> right but for his, it's not a toy you know it's something for work right yeah. like which you know um like if maybe if the dad bought just bought a like two thousand dollar cintiq right and the, mm. <laughs> maybe a little nervous to let the kid play with a two thousand dollar cintiq that they need to draw their graphic novels <laughs> <laughs> um but it looks like a lot of fun right hmm. but they take it out on on its first glork patrol and of course basically they break it right away and then and then they want to fix it they could take it back to their dad right but they're a little worried dad's going to be mad so instead they take it to the magic robot hmm. where they were like magic robot should be able to fix it because he's it's a little broken robot and the magic robot is a robot but you know he's like um like the Wizard of Oz in the sense that, you know, like, he doesn't want to help. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's really angry when they arrive and he, you know, shoots lasers at them and, you know, all that, all that good stuff. And if I go any farther, I'll spoil the whole story. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of other stuff happens too before that. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there, there is a lot to the book. It's, it's good fun. But if people are concerned about it, you know. I don't know, sometimes as parents, you can be like, oh, but I've got to give something to my kids that they can learn from, that there's something there for them to get something from. It is there because, as you say, it's talking about life and life is lessons. That's that's right, all right. that's around yeah. us. Yeah, that's right. We all we all go through the school of hard knocks. So yeah. <laughs> it's, good. <laughs> it's good to have, you know, um, that's what art's all about, really, is yeah. to like just like to try and make sense of all this stuff that happens in the world, everything we go through and all our social interactions. That's a big thing for me is the, all, all my books are a lot about that. Like just that kind of interpersonal interactions and mm. people accidentally hurting someone's feelings or misunderstanding each other or, you know, have different goals or all those, all these different ways that people interact together in the r real world. Um, that's how people enter my books. There's a yeah. lot of like everybody's got their own purpose. They might be cross purposes. They might line up here and there. Um, yeah. Just the way, uh, just the way people interact. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, about yourself, the person behind all of this. I mean, outside of um, outside of the books, how would you describe yourself? Like, who are you outside of this work? I mean, uh, not, you do a lot of stuff. I've already seen from some of the stuff online. Yeah. You do a lot. <laughs> Well, I like to uh, I like to draw books and I like to draw comics and I like to um, I like to cook without a recipe. Just like I don't really want to be taught how to draw something, I want to learn how to do it my own way. I want to learn mm. how to cook it my own way. So I've gotten really good at, at, at cooking curries. Um, every curry I've made has been different, and I had to I literally guessed at what the ingredients were um 
I totally reverse engineered it just by um, thinking about taste and texture and stuff like that. And I've come up with a wide variety of different ways to get the same text, taste and texture. I can make it so many different ways. Um, some are long, complicated, drawn out processes that might take a couple hours. Some I can do in like five to 10 minutes. Um, anyhow, um, so that's one thing I like to do. Uh, mm. I like to pick berries and make jam. I like to walk and hike. I don't have a driver's license, so I walk everywhere. Uh, I like to do push-ups. I try to do my age every day. So I'm 55, okay. so I try to do 55 push-ups. I started when I was like 27. I did it from 27 to 31. And then I turned 32 and I was like, that's it. I'm out. This is too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, and then I turned 50. And then I was like, man, I'm just going to get weaker and weaker as I get older. Maybe I should revive this. Um, so it's it's my way to um, just, you know, to hold off mm. um, my inevitable doom <laughs> 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 to keep doing these push-ups. But uh, I put myself in the ER last week doing push-ups. Oh, really? Well, I was doing the push-ups in the morning, and then something just went like, Neh. It like felt like in my heart, but I guess it was like a pinched muscle or pinched mm. nerve. Anyhow, and then it got better, but then at night it got worse and worse and worse until I woke up at like three o'clock just in like, um, you know, a great deal of pain. And uh, and my wife was, you're having a heart attack. We're taking you to the ER. So I got went to the ER emergency room and um, I was fine super healthy heart well that's good that's good to <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> you, so you like to push yourself it's fair to I say guess so. yeah i guess so, so I, yeah i pushed myself in the work and i pushed myself uh physically i guess mm. uh uh i like to write songs while i walk okay uh, probably is my favorite or ride my bike in the summer uh write a lot of songs while while riding my bike um probably seem uh you know a little bit insane or something because i'm like always like walking down the street singing or if i ride my bike i if i walk down my street walk down the street and sing i don't sing full volume but i think when i ride my bike i sing full volume which must <laughs> seem really crazy like singing really loud <laughs> well nothing wrong with that you're enjoying yourself <laughs> yeah 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 i mean I'm, i say crazy i shouldn't say crazy i probably seem eccentric i mean i yeah literally am so um <laughs> it's fair to say you have a i don't know a your whole life is about creativity and just kind of exploring the world around you yeah is that fair to yeah say, or? yeah yeah absolutely and exploring right like yeah like when i go swimming at the lake i like to swim down under and like just look at the dirt under and the light patterns and stuff like that and look up at the weird surface of the water and like I find all that stuff really inspirational like you you never know what's going to start making your mind mm. um click and what you want to use in a graphic novel or something yeah. <laughs> so how about your experience with sort of comic books and graphic novels then or what about your own experience do you remember the first time you you picked up something or your exposure with geek culture oh it was um it definitely all began before 
conscious memory. Um, so I've always been reading comics from, I can't remember a time before I was reading comics. Um, started with newspaper comics, I'm sure. Probably because hmm. uh, my dad was a newspaper editor. Um, oh, right. And he also would get a lot of uh, book collections of the old newspaper strips, or he had them even before I was born. Um, he, we had like nearly every volume of Pogo. Um, so I read all the Pogo comics and we had a lot of Charlie Brown and we had the mad, uh, the, you know, the early mad collections from when it was a comic book, mm -hmm. um, where it was like Superman parodies and crazy cat, uh, little Nemo and slumberland. Um, and then I got on, you know, on my own, got into, uh, like 60s Marvel and DC, although I was, I didn't discover them in the 60s. I mean, I was born in 67, so I was just an itty bitty guy in the 60s, but we found, um, but there were some book collections, right? Mm. And then, um, and then also eventually found a few towns over, there was a comic book store, um, one of the early comic book stores, and they had, you know, huge piles of, uh, uh other back issues and i found the, mm. the 60s ones were the were the best they were my they were my favorite 60s dc really loved 60s dc because it was so um absurd you know like you know superman would 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 get i would have like an ant's head and uh <laughs> <laughs> you know or you know batman would be going to other dimensions and yeah. you know it wasn't like it wasn't like gritty uh crime detective stuff it was like fun silly adventures hmm. is that kind of what dragged you in was kind of the the adventures the wackiness rather than anything else in comic books yeah like the adventure uh like stuff that would um uh expand your mind with exciting possibilities hmm. so like um uh and i did like absurdity too you know humor and um and strangeness just for its own sake, I think. But mostly mm. I like those things because, because they come out of left field and surprise you. And I like mm. that. I like the idea of there being like magical surprises behind every corner, you know. Um, and I look for I look for them in the real world. You you gotta you you you've got your imagination has to come with you when you look for magical surprises in the real world, right? Like, you know, um, I mean, the simplest thing that most people are able to be surprised and awed by, right? It's like the sunset, right? Like everybody, everybody stops and looks at the sunset and goes, wow. But you can find those wow moments, smaller wow moments all the time, all around you. Um, and then I suppose there are some real curmudgeons who walk by and like, sunset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are the kind of guys that walk by and go, Pfft sunset then maybe my books aren't for you but or maybe they'll ignite something in you and you'll go back to enjoying sunsets again because there must have been a if you're if you're one of those curmudgeons that's like oh, i don't even like the sunset there probably was some point in your life back when you did you know and like you could it probably rekindle you could probably rekindle that with just a yeah. little little nurturing or maybe if you were drunk well <laughs> <laughs> See, you sort of mentioned earlier how, you know, in school you were creating your own comic book straight away. Is it, was that something that then just continued or is it something that you fell behind on and then maybe picked up later? Or? 
Well, um, the only time in my life that I did not draw comics was my first year of college. Oh, wow. uh, quit. I don't know. Too busy doing other stuff. I yeah. was doing music then, so I didn't come. And I was taking art classes. I was an art major, so I was doing stuff. <laughs> was doing stuff. I just didn't draw comics for that for that one year, um, and then um, and then I started making. I had been making zines in high school, and then I started making zines again, and then I uh, started doing a strip for the college newspaper, um, which is called the Vermont Cynic. It's the the student newspaper of the um, University of Vermont. Um, which is our local, our big state uh, university. And it's the mm -hmm. school right here in, in town, in Burlington. Um, and I continued to draw a strip for them after I left college. Drew it for another few years uh, after I left college. Different strip. Uh, when I was in college, the strip that I drew, I, I, drew, I drew with my, I can't reveal who they are because, I suppose I could, but we were all we all used pseudonyms. We were all anonymous. So oh, I drew right. it with two other friends. Um wrote and drew it with two other friends, and we all had these made-up names. Um mm. ridiculous made-up names. Um <laughs> the the uh the names were totally electronic potatrix. Uh think Eric Fifi Doodle and Rose Michael Fish. Um were the th were the th where are the three pendings? Um and uh, and that strip was called Seaweed Man. Um, and then after that, uh, I went to graduate school and, and started mailing strips back to the paper, a new strip that I drew by myself called Dead Bear Circus Detective. <laughs> <laughs> of all the names I could have guessed, that probably wasn't going to be. <laughs> um. Bear Circus Detective is awesome. Um, it's so awesome. I can't even begin to describe it. Uh, anyhow, uh, I really should I really should revive that. Um, I'm 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 kind of torn between just publishing the original old strip and mm. redrawing the whole thing. Um, but uh, but it's probably drawn perfect the way it is. I had my philosophy then was. Um, it's funnier if it's drawn badly. Mm. Um, and, and I was like, because I would look at, you know, um, I don't know, I see that happening a, 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 a lot, or it felt like I saw it then, that um, that they, that really, really well-drawn strip worked against the humor, right? And then, and then somebody who drew, like a bad drawing was funny already, whether... Mm anything funny happened and it was funny because it was badly drawn <laughs> you know like a badly drawn cat that's funny look how yeah. badly drawn that cat is like that kind of thing <laughs> so um that's one of the reasons why i was working with uh, collaborators before one of them really couldn't draw so i'd be like you draw this and i'll draw this it'd be really funny and then we had one other collaborator who could probably draw better so, like, if something needed to be really well drawn in the strip, it would be funnier if that thing was, you know, um, more well articulated than, than she would draw that. So did you go straight from there into then doing more of your own stuff and 
getting it published and selling it or well, how did, did that I, there was probably like a 10 year period of making zines and stuff uh from like well it was more than that if i started in high school i didn't start like trying to be published like really like trying to get like comic book deal or something like that till mm. i was in the, my late 20s um but i started trying to get noticed just a couple years before that so i was mm. just content to make little zines and 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 um give them or sell them to my friends or like hide them on the shelf at the record store um like, I didn't even care about making money or making a name for myself or anything like that. But then at a certain point, I, was, I suddenly started to feel like i got to make something happen. And I mm -hmm. discovered other cartoonists out there also making mini comics, and I started to trade with them. Uh, it's funny that I had been doing it for so long without really being aware that, the, that there were other people doing it. Mm -hmm. But then, the, yeah, uh, the magazine Fact Sheet 5, I think I discovered that. Um, which is uh, basically, it's a, it was a thick newsprint magazine that would just have thousands of reviews of zines in it, and it would okay. have break them up by section, like this one's about punk rock, and there'd be several hundred, and then these are comics, and there will be several hundred, and it'll be like short little reviews, and then, you know, like how to order it, how much money, and the address. Um, and uh, I would order some, but mostly I would send them mine and ask if they wanted to trade. Um, so like no money is changing hands, but we were all basically writing letters back and forth to each other of like critique and encouragement. So it was like an education too. You know, like mm. some, of the, some people would write long detailed letters of critique of how to improve what you had sent them or what to think about the next time you drew a comic. So it was like, it it was like um, it was like grad school for comics, really, uh, you know, but without an authority figure, um, yeah. you know, no no professor, um, and uh, and then I started sending them, then I started sending them to you know what you know review outlets like Fat Sheet Five or other review outlets. Also, comics would write mini like if you bought a mini comic, it would usually in the back have mini comics that they review so if you got a good one and the person liked these other 10 comics well they were probably good too right so um you could quickly build you could quickly figure out what the good ones were and discover new good ones and um it was pretty exciting i suppose it happens even easier now with just like i don't know posting comics on instagram or something you could yeah. probably go from zero to you know sixty thousand readers in a very short time yeah uh, probably it's such a labor of love that you've spent so many years working on and to doing it the hard way getting people to sort of critique you and give feedback and slowly building up I mean, this isn't yeah, just something yeah. you did for giggles one day well, <laughs> well no no and um but that that period from when i started to really try to connect with other so i drew comics my whole life then I started to really try to connect with other creators, right? Mm. And to, to really push myself farther out into the world. From when I started to do that, so when I had a publisher, it was like two years. It was like fast. Yeah. So, um, and then 
and then maybe like another year or two till I it was my full time job. Um, so if I had known it was going to be that easy, <laughs> I would have done it a lot earlier. <laughs> but I didn't even know where to begin. Like I had yeah. no idea how to begin. Like what do you, what do you do? How do you get published? Nobody knows, right? Like the way that I got published was I made a lot of friends. Mm. Um, and um, one of those friends uh, was Chris Staros, who started um, Top Shelf. And when he started Top Shelf, he was like, hey, I like your comics. We had already, already met and talked together, written letters to each other and stuff like that. And he was like, I'm starting this publishing company. We want you to be one of the first books. I was like, that's great. It just felt like a natural uh, continuation of what was already mm. happening in some ways. Um, yeah, it wasn't like I had an agent who went to uh, Chris Staros. Like, for one thing, an agent couldn't have done that because Top Shelf didn't exist. There was mm. no comic book publisher there for the agent to go and pitch the book to. Um, I, You know, I, I always feel like I had this vision of what I wanted to happen. And um, I was sending books out to, to publishers and getting rejected, right? Oh, and another one of another one of my readers, Tom Devlin, also started a comic book company uh, called Highwater Books. He now runs um, uh, Drawn and Quarterly uh, with his wife Peggy. So he was he was a um, he was an um, employee of Millionaire Picnic, a great comic book store uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and um, uh, he saw a review of my comics somewhere, maybe the Comics Journal, and called me up and said we want to buy some of your mini comics for the store mm. and i was selling him mini comics for the store and then after a couple of years of that he's like you know what i'm gonna i want to become a publisher and i want you to draw a book for me so i did which is very you know it's just a very 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 different thing than sending a submission to a publisher mm. um, i didn't have to worry about rejection because i was pre-accepted you know like yeah. i think though like uh everybody's got different um, everybody's got different stories of how they uh, came into uh, publishing. And I almost feel like the I got an agent and the agent placed me with this publisher is like the least common way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people do that. It is mm. still, it is still a thing, but um, it's, it's not the path that, that me or a lot of my peers took. Hmm. I see. I mean, it's incredible to hear. Yeah, that's the kind of story that you know you'd think is the background to a movie. This guy who's been doing his comic book since school, and then just <laughs> happened to make the right connections and worked hard and sent all these out to people, and then just here you are with about six million books behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... You know, there's, um, yeah, I can't say that my way was the right way or anything. Like, I, I think there's a lot of different paths. Like, for mm. instance, now the path might be just putting your, uh, making connections is still important, some kind of connection. A lot of people do it online now, though, I, I imagine. It's good to have friends to that you can, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of and get feedback from. Yeah, absolutely. Whether they are, whether they're, you know, your friend in your town, your friend that lives, you know, you your friend that lives down the street or your friend online, you know, mm. you, you need, you need some kind of 
you need some kind of feedback, I think, to uh, helps you push yourself too. You got to have someone you're trying to impress, really. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> making you're trying to make an impression, like trying to make an impression on the world, I guess. And uh, you know, I think uh, uh, another part of it is uh, you can feel so lost as a as a kid. Uh, becoming an adult right like it's hard to feel like you it's hard to feel like it's real right like like that there's really a place for you in the adult world what are you supposed to do right like who are you supposed to be the journey of getting published is part of that i think trying to trying to make some space for yourself in the world where you are actually a valuable person because otherwise you could just draw them at home and not share them yeah yeah I think there would be a lot of people that would say the the work you do, the the wide variety of stuff you do, you've you have kind of more than most people, you've managed to kind of etch your own space into this world in the way that you enjoy. There's not many people that could say, you know, they'd have this whole breadth of all the interests and hobbies and they get to do this and that and the other that they enjoy so much. It is i mean it's a lovely story because it a lot of people would say oh i want that <laughs> yeah well i don't want to i don't want to discourage anybody by making it sound impossible because it sounds like it could have been like luck or something but i don't i think you can you can um you know like another way to look at it is like um there was a world out there that was rejecting, actively rejecting me, right? Like mm. I was sending my my um, my submissions out, and they were going like, "No, not that. <laughs> that's that's not what we want from comics." And I could have tried really hard to like meet what their expectations were, change the way I drew, try and write the kind of stories that that other people who were getting published were doing. But instead, I was like. I just want to, I really want to do my thing. And I would just make connections with other people that understood my thing, right? And built built a new world out of those people who knew what I was talking about and got it, right? Mm. Like rather than trying to force my way into a world that didn't get me and was rejecting me, I made a new world. Anyhow, so I think any I think you can do that. I think any mm. you know anybody can do that. Um uh I guess it helps to be optimistic, you know, to like see, to latch onto the the little good possibilities you see and mm. head for them, right? Like rather than getting discouraged by the, because you could just stop. You could get, you could get, you know, you could see like, well, this is, this is hard, you know, like nothing's happening, but like a tiny little thing would happen. I'd be like, it's happening, mate. It's happening, baby. We're, we're on. Yeah. You know, it's easy to like, focus on all the rejections and then forget that you know there was that little glimmer of hope but you didn't see it because you were focused on all the bad stuff yeah so what what does the future hold then for ah, you know well, glock patrol obviously an amazing book um, well thank you there will be a new johnny boo book uh in december but quite a ways away awesome. called johnny boo is bored 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 um but I wrote, uh, I've got a new book. I serialized it on my Patreon. 
so a small group of people who've already read it um called jimmy's elbow um and it's um it's kind of a surreal uh, uh absurd body horror uh about a, a boy who has an elbow he and he bumps his elbow and he's afraid he's killed his elbow but really he's unlocked his elbow's full potential and power right like um and he discovers he has like you know a, a sentient elbow <laughs> and it causes a lot of trouble at school and and uh and stuff and it, it's um yeah it's like a semi-satirical uh, uh body horror uh fun and funny comic um and I, I i it's it's totally appropriate for kids but it was written for my patreon uh subscribers are all adults so hmm. i serialized it for an adult audience they loved it so i know i know it's an adult book <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was written to also it was written to work in 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 both ways and there's a lot of um a lot of layers that adults will get that probably um will fly right over kids heads so but i made it okay for kids because i know that any book i draw someone's going to give it to a kid and i um i feel bad about some of them because some of them are really not appropriate for kids at all right but like it keeps happening again and again and again so now going forward i feel like i've got to even if i draw a book for adults <laughs> i gotta like kind of make sure it works okay the other way and won't yeah. destroy them you know <laughs> super efforts probably should not be given that to kids but i know people who have yeah so you know um even with the f word right there in the cover you know like <laughs> you'd think that would clue them in that maybe <laughs> don't get it for junior but uh um the people who told me that they give it to the gave it to the kids and i was like you know that's for grown-ups right and they're like oh yeah well it's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so sort of the on the other side of things because obviously there'll be plenty of people out there plenty of parents who have you know reservations about using comic books to give to kids so i mean particularly with with glock patrol what would you say to them to sort of say you know it's worth doing these things have value uh, well we already talked a great length about um about how glock patrol makes you smarter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it 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 uh the book excites it it excites the mind it gives them a lot to think about about life and about um interpersonal relationships and fam family relationships it, um it gives it would give the, it gives the reader adult or kid a lot to think about um it excites the mind to play with language in ways that help um kids grow um it's been especially helpful with with kids that struggle with language right like kids that have trouble reading um it gets them to think about language in a new way and 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 can really help them take off um and be you know go from a struggling reader to a kid that loves reading um i think that's true of many uh comics um but the way that i play with language in my comics uh i think it's especially true of, in those court patrol books 
So buy it now, basically, everyone. Yeah, run right <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm on uh, Instagram as at Pachalka, and I'm on Twitter as at the underscore Pachalka. Pachalka is a very hard word to spell. You know, if you just search, it's probably easy to search for one of my book titles or something. Search for Monkey vs. Robot. You can probably remember that. Search for Johnny Boo. Search for Glork Patrol. You know, search for the titles of the books. You'll you'll find me eventually. Um, and I, I've got a new uh, album coming soon. I don't I haven't I don't have a release date yet, but we're mixing, uh, finishing up the mixing and uh, getting ready to master it. And it's called. Uh, James and Grave. Six heartfelt love songs that are a little quirky, but also way different than, than my previous albums that are mostly like rock. This is not rock. It sounds a little bit like folk music because there's like the, the picky um, guitar, and but then we have like weird old synthesizers on there and layers of things. It's, it's something else. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it's really beautiful sound. Can't wait to share it with everybody. James and Grady. Glock Patrol and the Magic Robot is available on shelves March 14th. It's delightful, so check it out. <laughs>